It was the London Marathon on Sunday. The thing to remember about long-distance races is that it doesn't matter if you lead for most of the way if you don't cross the finish line in first place. Arsenal have set the pace in the Premier League for months, but the lactic acid is starting to burn and they can feel their legs getting heavy. All the while, there is a light blue blur in the background. Could Wednesday night be the moment when Arsenal are finally passed by Manchester City with the finish line just on the horizon? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Tipping team always leads the way, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark Arsenal have drawn their last three games in the league. City have been on the charge for quite a while, it feels. There's no doubt who has the momentum going into Wednesday's clash at the Etihad. For sure. Um, what a game to look forward to. I think we've had this one earmarked in the diaries now for, for quite some time. We've been talking about it on a weekly basis, really. Spoken about the significance. We've spoken about there's going to be a few twists and turns along the way. We kind of assumed Man City would need to win this as well as their game in hand to, to kind of overturn that deficit. And that still is the case. But now it's almost become a bit must win for Arsenal too, which you know for the neutrals uh, creates even more tension and excitement, really, uh, after the last three games. So if you look at the title... Uh, odds, Arsenal are about 4.5 to win the Premier League, uh, but they're about 6.0 on the exchange to win at the Etihad. So to me, the latter can't happen without the former. I think if Arsenal are to win the title, I believe they have to win at the Etihad. Uh, there still will be another twist or turn, possibly a couple more along the way. We've still got six or seven games to play, but I'd rather take the 5-1 to one over the 7-2 to two at this stage. Not that I think Arsenal will win at the Etihad, but um, you know, I do feel some of the rhetoric around Arsenal has gone a bit far, being a bit unfair recently. I hate the term bottlers, it's used far too often, and if you go on Twitter after Arsenal failed to win, they're labelled bottlers just ordinarily. I think the reality is a bit more, a bit more simplified actually. Um, they are the youngest team in the Premier League. They started the season as 50-1 to 1 shots. I think they played some unbelievably high-quality football throughout the season. I think it's a sensational achievement just to be where they are in the league. And they're being pursued by one of the greatest teams of my generation. And I think, as Liverpool showed, the standards required to win the Premier League or even to compete for the Premier League title are ridiculously high this, this time, or this, this last decade, really. And I think you just have to commend Arsenal for being just being there, basically. And um, I think dropping points at Anfield is understandable. Uh, the reality is City lost there. Man United were absolutely trounced there. But I think the manner of dropping points at West Ham was a bit more concerning, although West Ham away isn't really a gimme for a club like Arsenal being a, a London derby. And then I think most worryingly for me really was Friday night against Southampton, but actually it was just a defensive performance against Southampton, which was pretty woeful, really. And the guys have said on a week-to-week -week basis, really, that the drop-off from Saliba to holding is huge. But I think Tommy Asu's injury as well kind of just encapsulates the problem because Ben White can't shift across to centre-half. So that's quite significant. And, you know, ultimately, this is a very young team, a very talented team who have probably all been playing to almost their, their full potential, incredibly high standards week on week throughout the whole season. That's very difficult to do for, for nine months, let alone six months, as we've seen. And you wonder now whether the sort of badge of honour of having few injuries and fielding a consistent team week after week has, has caught up on them. Maybe there is fatigue there. I don't know. I'm paying amateur detectives. But um, in terms of standards, I think it's quite easy to see the drop-off because before the World Cup, they'd allowed a, an XG greater than 1.0 in just five or 14 games. Since the World Cup, it's 12 in 18 games. They've conceded at least one expected goal. Um, 
And as I say, it's, it's trying to get a young group of players to play to their absolute limits at every game is very rare. So I think Arsenal, to, to actually get it out of them for six months is is incredibly good. Um, and maybe we're just getting a bit of regression here. I don't know. But then it comes down to handling the pressure, which I think has to be obviously assumed as, as being a negative against them because, because of their age profile, because of their experience in these sorts of situations. And players do make foolish mistakes when under pressure. And I think Ramsdale on Friday night was a, a fine example of that, giving the ball away for the opening goal. He looked a jittery mess for the next sort of half hour after that as well. So perhaps it's just a cocktail of everything really and as you say having a Man City team playing relentlessly good football now in the background is going to be quite off-putting uh, we criticised them through the winter for some odd team selections below par performances and not really exciting or excelling they were quite robotic at times but uh, in hindsight it kind of looks like part of, of Pep's grand plan to get them peaking for the final quarter of the season and you know it's been noticeable really just going back to the reverse game at the at the Emirates, how how good City have been. They forced Arsenal into errors that day. Really showed their metal, their credentials, and you know, I have absolutely no qualms with them going off as a a very short price favourite to win this match. They are the highest rated team in the world. They did go off favourites away at Bayern Munich in a match they didn't even need to win. So, yeah, I think Man City. It's hard to to bet against them even at those prices. Um, I think if you are to back City, you can back them to win over one and a half goals and get close to four to five on that, which which is fair enough, really. Um, Arsenal have kept just five clean sheets in 18 since the World Cup. They've conceded two or more goals in six of their last 11, uh, and most recently seven goals conceded in three games. So quite hard to see City not contributing a couple. However, Arsenal themselves have scored twice or more each of their last eight since losing to City. So you, know, you wouldn't sort of discount Arsenal getting on the score sheet. So I wouldn't be too surprised to see this being a high-scoring game. Um, but ultimately, the raw numbers against Arsenal are quite quite severe when you look at the head-to-head record. Uh, they've already lost to City twice this season. They've lost 11 on the spin against City in the Premier League. They've lost all six away against City during Pep's era by an aggregate of 17-3. And we know all about their Etihad record, 17 wins from the last 19 at home. So, um, yeah, that would be the kind of routine I would kind of consider for this match. But, um, yeah, it's... It, <laughs> I'm hopeful that Arsenal can be competitive, but the way they've played recently defensively, yeah, it's going to be a very tough task. Trader, tipster and storyteller. Emmett O'Keefe is with us once again. Emmett, no William Saliba. So as Mark has alluded to, Rob Holding looks as though he's going to have to take on Erling Haaland, which feels a bit like asking Tyson Fury to fight (laughs) Harry Styles. It is a bit (laughs) of a mixed match, isn't it, to be fair? Yeah, but like uh, Tyson Fury's fight against Derek Chisora recently, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, so but yeah, no, I think I think that'll be. I think that, that's that, that that's definitely the biggest concern is that that kind of mismatch of um, of hold, holding and Gabriel as well with centre half's position where if you're a really good centre half, he can make the player beside him better or worse. So we saw that with, with we saw the best version of Joel Matter, but he played with Virgil van Dijk, a Joel Matter that we hadn't seen in previous years. Similarly, at times, Joe Gomez looked really good when when kind of Van Dijk was at his peak. And again, I think we saw the best version of, of kind of Gabriel when he was playing with Saliba. They were a yeah. really good pair. But now when he's gone, we're seeing a worse Gabriel, kind of a more, I would say, a, a, a more rash player like we saw with that kind of, that, that, um, that, that lunge he made in, in the West Ham game that kind of led to a penalty, and, and that and that's kind of that's clearly shown kind of our, our Arsenal's recent matches. My kind of hope for Arsenal in this game though would be, as Mark outlined, their kind of outstanding scoring record, and I just think there is a bit of a question mark around Man City's kind of four centre half formation. Obviously, Pep has been kind of understandably lauded for this, but I just think we haven't necessarily. I think if you've got two wingers 
with kind of pace and skill, I think there's a possibility that can be exposed. We saw Kingsley Coman was like really dominant in that um, in in that second leg at the Allianz Arena, and I do think again maybe this is wishful thinking. If Leroy Sana had scored that chance, I don't think I think I think again obviously City won the tie comfortably, but I think that that tie was maybe a little closer than the kind of scoreline suggested. I think Martinelli and Saka can cause could cause City serious problems, especially in the counter-attack in combination with, with Gabriel Jesus, who obviously will have a huge point to prove in this match. Um, I was I was kind of as well, I think there's a bit of a fitness doubt around Nathan Aki playing left-back. And, and if he didn't play, would Pep play kind of Sergio Gomez? Probably not. But I, I just think that, that that kind of might bring a bit of instability to City. Aki would have been a player in pre- previous years I'd had a fair few doubts about, but he's actually been outstanding this season, especially, especially defensively. So I think he he would be a loss. Yeah, I think given both teams' attacking prowess, maybe and a few question marks around the defense, especially in Arsenal's case, I, I I can't I can't kind of I find it very hard to see it not being a high-scoring game. Like both teams to score are currently trading around one point seven six the exchange. I think that's the that's more than fair. And I think I, I think that that that'd be probably mid the way I'd look if you're looking for kind of a bet builder selection. The other angles I like is just the kind of the the kind of the the wingers who are obviously who could kind of draw fouls and looking at them and the, who the players are up against in the card markets. So obviously Jack Grealish up against Ben White. Ben, ben White actually has the second most cards of any Arsenal player in the league, and uh, obviously come up against Jack Grealish, who, uh, who who's kind of who draws who draws many fouls any other player in the Premier League. Yeah, White's White's currently around three point six for a card. That's fair. And just if Aki were to start up against Bakayo Saka, Aki's around five point zero for a card. So I think definitely some good options if you're looking for kind of a long odds bet builder for the, for the big game on Wednesday. Odds compiler, tipster and fine amateur footballer Mark Stinchcombe completes the set. Maybe Arsenal should have brought him in on a short-term loan. Uh, Stinch, Mark made a really interesting point earlier on. I I wonder, people will talk about Arsenal blowing it, but the truth is City have set the bar so absurdly high for league success that actually, even if you draw a few games, you're kind of dead in the water all of a sudden. Yeah, the the bar is set at being perfect. <clears throat> if you're not perfect, then you you can't win the league. As a as a Liverpool fan, experience that. Yeah, feels like I don't know three or four times now. And the season that Liverpool won it, they won what eighteen of the first nineteen games or something, whatever it was. Yeah, you just have to be absolutely perfect. And um, if you've got a squad like Arsenal's with a uh, a low average age, then of course you're going to get some volatility with with the lack of experience and. And I, I, I wouldn't label it anything. It's just normal, I would say. You know, um, somebody asked me the other day, how does Man City's dominance compare to, to Man United's in the late 90s, early 2000s? I said, there's no comparison because United, it, they were still title races. United inevitably came through on the fine margins, but this is just a procession for City. This is like a, you know, we see City's odds at the beginning of the season. They're always short. They're always short odds on. It's like a, it's like a horse race where they always come to fruition at the, you know, the last sort of few furlongs, the few jumps, and they always put this, this like fantastic record. It seems to me at the, the end of the season, and yeah, there's literally no room for error and unfortunately Arsenal have had a, had a few errors but I don't think there's anything to take away from from their performances this season you look at the underlying data and they're very close to City if not above them on some of the statistics um, so yeah I think any if you'd asked any Arsenal fan to begin the season they probably would have taken fourth let alone yeah. nearly 
potentially winning the league. I'm not saying they're not going to win the league, but it looks difficult based on remaining fixtures. You know, for example, I think um, a weekend coming up, uh, City at home to Leeds, while Arsenal go away to Newcastle. You know, that's that's a huge difference in expected points um, accumulated there. So I think Mark's right. I think if Arsenal are to win the league, they probably do need to win this match. And, and you know, it makes a great case that obviously not only is it a bigger price, but then you're also guaranteed to pay out. You know, if you back Arsenal to win the league, they win at City. They might. There's no there's no guarantee they go on to win the league still. So, yeah, that, that would be my play if I wanted to side with Arsenal. But unfortunately, I don't. Uh, I think City are the team that you want to get with. Uh, Mark sort of um, listed off a lot of the reasons why you'd want to side with City. I've got the same bet written down here. City to win over 1.5 goals. I mean, they're shorter than 4-7 to seven to win. So boosting up to almost 4-5, to five, I think, is uh, is a very shrewd move. City's last 19 home Premier League wins have all been bigger than 1-0. So, you know, we know how they play football. They don't tend to sit on sit on a 1-0 lead once they've taken it. I think it is worth pointing out, obviously, the FA Cup game finished 1-0 to City. But I think we've talked a lot before not to read too much into cup matches. You can't quantify motivation, for example. Rotation plays a big part as well. And then in terms of like a bet builder... Really, really obvious, but I just think the price looks really good. Um, I know it's quite short, but you know everything it does have a price. Uh, Erling Haaland to score or assist. I know it's only two to five, but he's eight to thirteen to score. So I don't really think you're losing too much by adding in the assist angle. Thirty-two goals in twenty-eight Premier League games and five assists. All five assists have come at the Emirates. No surprise, you know most teams do that. Do do their best work at home, and he obviously scored in the reverse fixture as well. So you know if you think City will score, and you know City are a very very short price to score, <laughs> I, th- I think you know you're getting quite a nice price by asking will Haaland be involved in scoring or assisting that goal. In sport, what's just as important as the goals, the glory, the roar of the crowd? Yes, it's the half-time break. Time for a breather, a reset to keep everything on track. In sports betting, Betfair's safer gambling tools help you do that too. Like timeouts, so you take that all-important half-time break. Or deposit limits, to help you keep count. Manage your play at safergambling.betfair.com. Simple ways to stay on top of your game with Betfair. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Let's put together a little bet builder for you then. Start with that, that uh, Stinch has just mentioned, Harland to score or assist. Emmett, what would you throw in? Yeah, I want both teams to score. It's probably a bit cowardly given uh, Mark's selection there. So I'll go with uh, kind of a bigger price one of um, Ben White to be carded. And Mark, you, uh, yo, Mark's got to look as if Emmett's just taking his bet. Go on, Mark. What have you got left? No, uh, similar. Um, I was down for Ben White fouls, um, but Emmett's already sort of detailed the reasoning for that. Um, so what we got that could still um, work? They're different markets. That could still work. Yeah, but you don't really sort of double up. You know, if White doesn't do anything in the game, then or gets substituted early, we've got a sort of double whammy there. Um, so Stinch has gone Harland. We got White to be carded, um, just for similar reasons as, as Ben White. Really, I think Bukayo Sako, Saka to get a, a couple of fouls. Um, I think he's fouled at least in at least once in fourteen of sixteen away Premier League games already this season. Uh, he'll be doing a lot of work, kind of helping out down that flank as well. So that'd be one to consider. But no, I'll keep it simple. Actually, you know, we've we've talked about Man City winning this match, so I'll, yeah, I'll just conclude Man City to win, and then we have got Haaland to score or assist, and Ben White to pick up a card. I think that's fair enough. 
Well, it is worth bearing in mind, if you place a £5 bet builder on Manchester City against Arsenal, you get a, f- a free £5 bet to use on bet builders. Opt-in required. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. So if you place a £5 bet builder on the match, you get a free £5 bet to use on bet builders. By the way, that bet builder we've just put together for you, uh, I'm led to believe, is 6-1 to one as a combined price. Enormous game at the other end of the table on Tuesday night. Leicester visit fellow strugglers Leeds. Stinch Leeds seem to have completely unraveled to me. And the decision to sack Jesse Marsh just after signing a load of players to play for him that he had either worked with or was a big fan of, Seems madder by the week. I cannot fathom it at all. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, one amongst a number of strange managerial decisions this season, right? Bayern, Chelsea, there's lots. Uh, I mean, Oxford United, for those that follow league football, um, there's just Sam lots Hampton. and there's, there's lots and lots out there. As we discussed, the amount of money involved in football is bizarre that these people are allowed to, to make these decisions with zero accountability. You know, somebody at Everton spent 25 million on Michael Keane. Just, you know, it's absolutely bizarre how these people get themselves in these positions. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to pod Michael Keane. Hi, Michael. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go in on him again. Uh, I've got it written down. Oh dear, Mr. Meslier, what were you doing for Fulham's goals on Saturday? Uh, poor. He looks shot to pieces, doesn't he? Yeah. Bless him. Poor. Poor Mr. Meslier. Uh, I think maybe you could do with being taken out of the fire for a little bit. Um, I mean, I did think there's an, an element of, you know, De Gea was a little bit lucky perhaps just to play in the semi-final. And, you know, as each penalty was going in, you just get reminded of um, against Sevilla, right? When he, he didn't save one penalty and then he was obviously... Oh, Villarreal in that final. Yeah, they had about 900 penalties mm. and he didn't save one. Yeah. yeah, and then he got saved by Solly March, putting his over the bar as he did earlier in the season against Charlton. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe Meslier could do with being taken out of the spotlight. Leeds have conceded at least two goals in six of the last seven games. As I say, he looked all at sea for both of those goals, which I think both of them were very preventable. Um, so, yeah, Leeds v Leicester, as, as we say, like a huge game. And, I mean, seeing as both can't defend, might as well just back over two and a half goals around about 1.83 as it's, you know, I think quite a quite an enticing price. I was expecting it to perhaps be a bit shorter. I think it's probably what's holding that back is the Premier League, like a lot of leagues this season, is is um, the goal average has gone down slightly. So you can understand. But if you're just uh, concentrating on specific teams, I think there's definitely um, value to be found, essentially, or, or positive EV bets. Um you know, Leeds' last seven games have gone over two and a half goals and that's seven of um, Javi Garcia's 10 matches so far. So very good return rate. And I have to say, uh, Leicester, obviously, four games under under new management and they seem to have uh, found more attacking output since Rodgers was sacked. They've created almost seven expected goals in, in their four games. And I know there's obviously no Madison on Saturday, but I quite like the look of what they did with starting all of Vardy, Iheanacho and, and Pat Sandaka. You know, if you can't score goals, well, just stick as many strikers as you yeah. can on the pitch. I mean, you can't defend, so, yeah. so you might as well, might as well just go... everything 4-3, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll just play basketball and hopefully we'll come out on top and, uh, you know, work once, perhaps. So why not sort of rinse and repeat? I mean, defence is a massive, massive issue. You know, we've had 17 games since the World Cup, zero clean sheets. 
you, you, yeah. you're not going to you're not going to stay up if you're not scoring goals at the other end you know so again yep as I say two teams that can't defend they're conceding almost two goals per game this season so very easy bet in my opinion to back overs uh, when when it's priced so so evenly Emmett is that the way you see this one plenty of goals in it yeah, absolutely. Same better stench. The I think yeah, he's he's headlined. Uh, he's given plenty of the reasoning. Leeds matches averaging three 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 point two one goals a game. Leicester matches averaging three point zero nine goals a game. Two of the worst defensive teams that he could all at all points to over is being short shorter than the current price one point eight. The, just one last thing I'll mention is that I think this is probably Leeds' most winnable kind of probably game of the last six. Uh, so I don't think they'll approach this game in a cautious manner in terms of kind of getting a point. I think I think Leeds know they kind of need, need to win this match and that hopefully should lend itself to an open game. Yeah, it's interesting, Mark, because Leeds fans or a lot of them on social will tell you anyway that. If Jesse Marsh was still in charge, they'd be even worse off. I find that really difficult to believe, quite frankly. Um, I think it'd probably be very similar to where they are right now. Um, I do think that, I think we've talked about it before, but the, the decision to go to Javi Gracia from Jesse Marsh, from Marcelo Bielsa, felt like a wrong fit. Um, they feel, felt like a right kind of coach to, to go in there. Maybe someone like Ralph Halsenhutl would be able to utilise the the characteristics of the squad. Javi Gracia didn't feel like the right fit, but you know we know he's a very good coach. We know he's very capable of getting a team um, solid and competitive, but he's struggled with Leeds. And I think just because of the, the profile of the squad doesn't fit his, his requirements, really. Um, there was a, a bit of an uplift after he came in, but since then it's really kind of unravelled Quite alarmingly, and I think at the weekend, most concerningly for me, or probably for Leeds fans too, he said he was worried himself about their own trajectory. He was worried about the the next couple of games. It's three defeats on the spin, and as Stinch says, that's the sixth game in seven now. They've conceded two goals or more. Um, he tried a, something different defensively. It didn't really work, and yeah, I'm like the guys here. I've got the same bet written down because I'm really looking forward to this match. Promises plenty. Bit of a six-pointer. We've got a good referee as well, so there could be cards, could be goals. Uh, ordinarily, in these situations, you presume it's going to be tight, slow scoring, attritional, a bit of a slog, but I don't think that will be the case here for all the same reasons. You know, both teams love to attack. Both teams know how to attack. Neither can defend right now. Um, I was actually a little bit disappointed of Leeds going forward on Saturday. Only really kind of came to life when 2-0 down, but Gracia must look at his squad and say, you know, we've got Rodrigo, Bamford's back, Nonto, Somerville, Harrison, Aronson even. You know, there's ability in that squad, particularly going forward. It's defensively where they've been atrocious and in midfield with Tyler Adams missing. Absolutely enormous. Uh, the goals, yeah. the shots, the XG without him hikes hugely when he's not playing. Um, I like McKinney, but he's looked really ill-equipped for kind of marshalling that midfield alongside Rocker. He's uh, not a defensive midfielder. He's not he's an but energy I think he's, guy, isn't he? Runs around. Yeah, he's he's combative in nature, but he's he's certainly not a defensive midfielder. He's more of a box to box and he's getting lumbered in that role. He's already picked up six cards, which kind of shows he's struggling to adjust. Um and you're playing a Leicester team who, you know, as Stitch said, went all out attack against Wolves, had eight shots on target. That was without Madison and Barnes, who are both due back now this midweek as well. Interesting to see if they get the get a starting berth here, but that adds even more kudos to Leicester going forward, who, you know, should fancy their chances here. But, um, you know, that stat about Leicester not keeping a clean sheet since the World Cup, they're the only team in Europe's top five leagues not to have done so um, <laughs> since the World Cup, which is a you know a badge of honour, I guess. But, um, yeah, the, the last seven Leeds matches have featured 4.86 goals per game. Wow. Uh, all seven have seen over two and a half. All seven have seen BTTS as well. So, um and only five sides have scored more away goals than Leicester this season. So, you know, as Emmett pointed out, the raw numbers here, 62% of both teams 
matches have seen over two and a half goals. The both teams have collectively kept just 11 clean sheets between them all season, yet overs is 1.83, which implies just about a, a 55 per, 55% chance of three goals or more in the game. So for me, it's a, it's a nice value selection here. If you've got no hopers like Elche and Olje keeping clean sheets and you haven't, that is a bit of a concern. Uh, the Roy Hodgson effect seems to have taken Crystal Palace to safety. They're just a win away from that magic 40-point total. Wolves only three points behind them. They look OK too. They meet at Molyneux on Tuesday. Mark, how's this one going to go? I think Wolves have looked a bit better, haven't they, recently? Yeah, they have. Um, more so Molyneux. I think this is a tricky game on paper. As you say, neither are, are certain to survive, but both look to be in pretty strong positions to secure their status. So you wonder whether both teams might be quite happy to sort of declare and, and play this out as a draw. Obviously, it won't end like that. They'll both play to win. But, you know, if the game's in the balance with 20 minutes to go, it's not the worst result for either. Um, always had trust in Lopetegui finding a way with Wolves. And, but I think the Palace resurgence under Hodgson since his return it's caught me by surprise. I'm sure it's probably caught a few others by surprise with how expansive they have been. Uh, I know they weren't at their sort of fluent best against Everton at the weekend, but I think that's probably more down to the, the opposition thwarting them rather than anything else. They had 57 shots in his first three games since his return, which is crazy numbers, really. And the player who stood out to me, really, um, there has been a few, but Eberiche Eze, um, obviously a, a warm place in my heart from his QPR days, um, playing in a kind of right-sided midfield role, but getting given the license to get forward. In those first three games, he scored three goals, six shots on target and nine attempts overall. He added another shot on target against Everton at the weekend. So he's landed the SOT in all four matches since uh, Hodgson's return. He's evens to, to repeat that feat against Wolves, which did stand out to me, actually. Because when I was prepping this match, um, Wolves under Lopetegui, they've conceded an average of 4.83 shots on target per game, which was higher than I'd expected. And They've conceded a minimum of four shots on target in 13 of 17 under Lopetegui. As I said, they conceded eight at the weekend against Leicester. They have been tighter at Molyneux, but uh, even still, um, if Palace can reach that kind of four shots on target threshold, you would assume Eze will, will contribute in some way or form. So Evans looks a nice way in. And actually, if you look at the sportsbook, Palace at 173 to have four or more shots on target in this game. So 13 players are shorter. In, in terms of the market, to have a shot on target than Eze. So Evans looks good. And if you do want something a bit bigger, uh, no Palace player has been involved in more Premier League goals than Eze this season. He's contributed to 10, seven goals, three assists. He scored in his last two starts against Wolves as well. Uh, he's 3.5 to score or assist here, which uh, looks like a nice priced alternative. West Ham have had a fantastic week. They drew with Arsenal after being 2-0 down in 10 minutes. They reached the semis of the Europa Conference League and then on Sunday produced one of their best displays of the season as they won 4-0 at Bournemouth, including a really quite remarkable scorpion kick goal from Pablo Fornals. It really is worth watching. Emmett, they've got Liverpool in midweek. I mean, who knows what you'll get from Liverpool. Uh, what's the angle here? Yeah, the angle is just, I, I think, pretty the market's under, underwriting West Ham here. I think, Liverpool, especially given Liverpool's away struggles, uh, Liverpool are 10th in, in, in the league in the kind of away table this season. Even with Virgil van Dijk and Ibrahim Kanate back together, I don't think Liverpool has improved as much as I expect. Van Dijk still looks like a shadow of his former self and is being kind of expo exposed more by Liverpool's lack of pressing, as we've kind of mentioned all season. Like... 
like uh, if you're conceding two goals, it's kind of oh, I need relying on set pieces to be Nottingham Forest at home. It's hard to it's hard, it's hard to take you seriously as kind of uh, as a European contender. I thought like the the game at the weekend was kind of a a real sign of how much Liverpool have fallen, even though they won. On the other hand, at West Ham, I I wouldn't give the David Sullivan and Karen Brady kind of regime much credit in terms of running West Ham, but they did really well not to panic when West Ham were relegation trouble and sacked sacked David Moyes, as other teams have kind of panicked this season. Expected goals figures had West Ham as kind of a mid mid table side all year who were in kind of a false position. I think that's starting to bear out, as we've seen with three wins and a kind of a creditable draw against Arsenal in their last five, as well as reaching the Conference League semis. And the squad, I think, is starting to look stronger as well. We've seen Maxwell Cornick finally come back from injury. And, he, and if you've him and Danny Ings on the benches, your kind of impact sub options, that's a lot better than the kind of teams that are kind of are, are, around, are around West Ham on the table. And given all that, I, I just can't have Liverpool at, uh, at uh, odds on here. Everything we've seen for Liverpool all season, so I think, s- s- suggests they should be somewhere closer to maybe 2.25 to win the match. So I think Liverpool are, are, solid, are, are a good lay here, I think. Couldn't agree more. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.com. Org. Brighton licking their wounds after an agonising FA Cup semi-final loss to Manchester United. Their European charge continues away to a Nottingham Forest side that does seem to have really lost its way. Stinch Brighton 1.59 to take the win. But Forest have done most of their best work at home. They're going to have to play a hell of a lot better than they did at home to Manchester United. But Brighton had to play 120 minutes at the weekend. Maybe there's something there for Forest. Yeah, there might be the emotion as well aspect of obviously losing a, a cup semi-final so dramatically that has a bit of a knock-on effect. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be back in Brighton at the price. In the reverse fixture, Brighton went off very short. I think they were about 1.35, something like that. They absolutely battered for us, but it was only 0-0. And at the end of the day, in terms of the actual bet, it would go down as a as loss if you back Brighton. So yeah, couldn't back them at the prices. I mean, I alluded to it on last week's pod that I was a bit concerned that maybe the days of back-in overs or goal in Brighton games was gone with with uh, over two and a half goals, four to six in in the cup semi final. I mean, uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but that looks an even more shocking price now, doesn't it? The the way the way that played out, and as we know, semi finals tend to be tight in KG. Um, but over two and a half goals, I was hoping would be would be backable. I don't think it is. I don't think it's a fantastic price. Over two and a half is is one point seven four, but the one that's got really got me interested is both teams to score is is one point eight seven which is sort of kind of difficult to work out, really. Basically, the market says if Brighton win, they're going to win 3-0. Um, yeah. Don't think that's as logical as, as expected, really, and as, as straightforward. Um, we know about Nottingham Forest's issues. So, you know, they conceded at least two goals in eight of their last nine matches. But we know Brighton aren't the best defensively, especially um, away from home. Overall, under De Zerbi, 14 of 23 Brighton goals have seen both teams score. So not a, you know, a fantastic strike rate. But away from home, it's 10 of 12. And it's just one clean sheet away from home from Brighton. And as I say, I know Forrester are, are difficult to trust, probably offensively. Second lowest scorers in the league. But actually, we, we know most of their output comes at home. 73% of their goals have been scored at the City ground this season. And in those 16 games, they've only failed to score twice. So if you've got a team that 
do manage to get on the score for sheet on a, a fairly consistent basis facing a team that struggled to keep it keep them out I think both teams to score is is such a logical bet here at 1.87 and and, re- and represents a really good price based on the fact that the market almost has Brighton in for will they score two goals, let alone will they get on the score sheet. So you can argue you're kind of just betting on will Forrest score and yeah, 1.87 makes total sense. I mean, is that the way you would go with this one? Um, no, I'm kind of going a bit more off the beaten track here. It just it's kind of no, it's noticeable, especially at the weekend, and just in general how bad kind of Nottingham Forest kind of uh, defence from set pieces are you can see the second most kind of goals from set pieces in in the league as, as well as kind of two against Liverpool and just with Brighton they brought Brighton don't have that many threats from set pieces but Lewis Dunk is clearly their their, 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 their biggest one he's actually had two plus shots in three of his last five matches I think given Forrest would be expected to have at least kind of six corners against um against Nottingham Forest. So Dunk should get plenty of opportunities as well as the other free kicks they'll they'll create. And Dunk to have two plus shots is currently five to two on Better Sports. But that 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 looks pretty fair to me. An interesting one to cheer on. Let's take a dip into the cool and delightful waters of the EFL, shall we? Uh, Mark O'Hare has a Lancashire derby to bring us. And before anybody starts with this greater Manchester flannel, Bolton's in Lancashire, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Mark, take it away. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a big game. Bolton versus Accrington Stanley. Um, on Tuesday night, Bolton start. Hey, Bolton start the night in fifth, um, but they're only two points above Peterborough in, in seventh. Uh, a win here would almost almost confirm them in the top six, which would be great because we marked Bolton to for, for a top six finish, actually, in our anti-post show way back in end of July. So hopefully that can secure or land in the next fortnight or so. Um, they're hosting an Accrington team, three points from safety. Uh, been a very tough season for Stanley. Uh, they come into this match with eight defeats. From their last nine games, they've lost all eight matches away at top nine teams. And they've actually lost 17 of 19 matches when playing top 10 opposition across all venues. Um, obviously going to a Bolton team, very strong at home, 13 wins from 21. Exclude the top six and Bolton's home record is even better. 13 wins, two draws, just the one defeat. So no surprise to see them short-priced favourites here around 1-2, to two, 1.55 on the exchange. But we can actually get Bolton to win and BTTS no at six to four, two point five, which is to me that's an enormous leap uh, on their win price. Um, it's not a bet I enjoy taking. It's not a bet I would let anyone sort of enjoy following because it's always you know you're only a goal away from losing. But um, in this in this sense, um, it's it's a great value selection. Bolton have only conceded twelve home goals all season. That's zero point five seven per game. They've kept twenty one clean sheets in forty three matches at home. They've kept thirteen clean sheets in twenty one. So sixty two percent hit rate for just clean sheets. Accrington have scored just 10 goals away from home, which is 0.48 per game on average. They failed to score in 11 of 21 away. They've only scored eight in 17 against the top 10, and they failed to score in five of their last eight. So BTTS No has banked in 15 of Bolton's 21 at home, 14 of Accrington's 21 away. So BTTS No as a single at 9 to 10 um, does look quite appealing, but I'm going to be greedy and back Bolton to win and BTTS No at 6 to 4 just because... They're travelling in such a, a great way right now. Um, under Ian Everett, they know what they're doing. They're a possession-based team, very process-driven, very difficult to beat. They will hog the ball. If they get ahead, it's very difficult to sort of overturn them. And I think Accrington right now, despite even playing some poor teams there and thereabouts, you know, they're, they're struggling and uh, they're only going one way at the minute. So Bolton should be able to do a job on them. So 6-4 to four on the win to nil, effectively. 
I think that bet's based on the fact that Stanley are a bit flat away from home. And there's two jokes that anybody under 30 will not have a clue about. Let's head to Spain, shall we? Uh, Emmett, Villarreal against Espanyol. What have you got for us? Yeah, just keep it simple here. Espanyol have lost six their last seven. They're kind of on track for relegation, sitting second for bottom in La Liga. Whereas Villarreal are kind of chasing down the European places. And even though they've lost their last two matches, they actually played really really well away at Sevilla and only kind of bad finishing let them down. I think they're... I'm just look, look at the match prices. I think I thought they'd be shorter than one one point six seven here for the match. I, I just think Villarreal are by far the superior by far the superior team. You can back them um, minus three quarters on the Asian handicap at around one point eight three. So Villarreal win by one, it's half half a win. If they win by two, it's a full payout. That looks that, that looks more more than fair to me. And back to the Premier League, Aston Villa looking to keep up their top six push as they face Fulham. Stinch is quite interesting. We've talked about teams being on the beach and all that stuff, but Fulham have actually done all right in the last couple of games. And Marco Silva came out and he seemed quite angry about the whole suggestion that his team lacked motivation. Is that fair? I mean, they have won the last couple. Um Yeah, I think that's fair from Silva because um, I think all season people have talked about maybe when is this Fulham run going to come to an end and yes we know they've overachieved but they still deserve credit for for yeah, you know 100%. taking taking on shots that they shouldn't really be taking on because they're low quality chances or, or Leno coming to the rescue I thought he was very brave um, a couple of times in in the game against Leeds at the weekend and as you say in a game they didn't need to win so you know reason for him to put himself on the line so yeah I think absolutely um and yeah, playing obviously playing the, the Villa team, as you mentioned, who, who are in great form at the moment. Um, I'll just, again, uh, rinse and repeat kind of from the weekend, backed overs in, in both of these two games at the weekend. Obviously, the Fulham game won. No idea how the, the Villa game didn't. 4.29 expected goals away at Brentford, a whopping seven big chances. So a bit disappointed that it only finished 1-1. But yep, happy to go down the route again when over two and a half goals is, is at five to six. Uh, you know, Villa, as we as you mentioned, in a great form, won five of the last six. They're only two points off Spurs in fifth. Uh, I don't know how Spurs are still fifth, but there we go. Um, it's one of the great yeah. mysteries of our time, that. Because every time you look at Spurs, you go, they're rubbish. What, what is this? And yet they're just managing to stay in the top section of the table. It's very, very strange. Yeah, I think I saw a special this morning up on uh, Betfair Monday morning. Uh, 200 to 1 Spurs to lose the, the rest of their games for this season. So um, if you're a pessimistic Spurs fan, I'm not even going to say if you're a better, if you're a pessimistic Spurs fan, that might be something to claw back some of your expenses from uh, not enjoying going to the games. Um, but yeah, Villa, Villa having no problem um, in terms of their output. It's got at least two goals in five of the last six. And yeah, under Emery, averaging 2.89 goals per game in their 19. We spoke about Fulham, that they were the over two and a half kings, but they went through a bit of a malaise, but seems to be back on track now. Five of the last six have been over two and a half, 68% for the season. Expected goals kind of backs it all up as well. Villa's games are averaging three expected goals. Fulham's up at 3.32. And yeah, just a, a brief reminder, if nobody listened last week, but uh, Mitrovic, He's missed 10 games, um, but overs are still copped in seven of those matches. So Fulham's still able to to contribute at both ends. Um, as we say, they are overachieving defensively. And generally, this this game is uh this matchup is is goal heavy. Last four meetings have gone over two and a half goals. Yep. So happy to take the five to six. 
Again, I think the the Premier League's average is, is driving some of these prices. The fact that we're seeing a lower goals per game output this season compared to last, which probably is impacted um, from the World Cup. Well, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of excellent preview content for the Premier League and beyond on our website, betting.betfair.com. There are other great shows on the Betfair podcast network as well, not least the excellent Racing Only Better. Of course, we'll be back for our usual weekend previews. We'll have uh, Scott Watch. We'll have uh, the podcast treble, all of the features that you know and love. From Stin from Mark, from Emmett and from me. It's goodbye for now.